English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. I'm doing all right, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. So, I heard you wanted to talk about a topic today. What is it? Sarah. Yes, Mr. Johnson. I wanted to discuss the concept of secret love. I find it intriguing and would like to learn more about it. English teacher. That's an interesting topic, Sarah. Secret love refers to feelings of affection or attraction that someone has for another person but keeps it hidden or undisclosed. It can happen for various reasons, such as fear of rejection or the circumstances being unfavorable. Sarah. I see. So, is secret love something that occurs frequently? English teacher. Secret love is a common theme in literature, movies, and real-life situations. Many people have experienced it at some point in their lives. It often arises when there are obstacles preventing individuals from expressing their true feelings openly. Sarah. Can you give me an example of secret love from literature or a movie? English teacher. Of course. One famous example is the play Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. The main characters, Romeo and Juliet, fall in love with each other, but due to a long-standing feud between their families, their love must remain hidden. They secretly marry and continue their relationship in secret, leading to tragic consequences. Sarah. Oh, I've heard of Romeo and Juliet before. It's a classic love story. So, secret love can be both exciting and challenging, right? English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. The secrecy adds an element of excitement and an intensity to the relationship. However, it can also be quite challenging because the individuals involved may experience feelings of longing, frustration, and the constant fear of discovery. Sarah. That sounds difficult. What are some other reasons people might keep their love a secret? English teacher. There can be various reasons. Some common ones include societal or cultural expectations such as when two people from different social backgrounds are in love but are not allowed to be together. Other times, people may be in committed relationships with someone else and have feelings for someone new, leading to a secret love affair. Sarah, I can imagine how complicated that can become. Are there any potential consequences of secret love? English teacher. Yes, Sarah. Keeping love a secret can have emotional consequences. It can lead to feelings of guilt, anxiety, and sadness. Moreover, it can also strain relationships with friends and family if they suspect something is going on but don't know the truth. In extreme cases, it can even result in the breakdown of existing relationships or friendships. Sarah, it seems like secret love can be quite risky and challenging to navigate. Is there ever a situation where secret love turns into something positive? English teacher, it's possible, Sarah. Sometimes, Secret love can eventually come to light, leading to a positive outcome. For example, if two individuals are genuinely in love but have been hiding it, once they reveal their feelings, they might find acceptance and support from those around them. However, this outcome is not guaranteed, and it depends on the specific circumstances and people involved. Sarah, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining secret love to me, Mr. Johnson. It's a complex topic but I have a better understanding now. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to discuss any other topics,
feel free to reach out. Learning about different aspects of love and relationships can be fascinating. Sarah, I will definitely keep that in mind, Mr. Johnson. Thank you for being such a patient teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next class. English teacher. Good morning, John. How are you today? John. Good morning, Ems. Adams. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, John. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about a topic. What would you like to discuss today? John. Yes, Ems. Adams. I want to know about lovelorn. I've heard this word before, but I'm not sure what it means exactly. English teacher. That's a great topic, John. Lovelorn refers to the feeling of being unhappy or sad because of unrequited love or the loss of love. It's often used to describe someone who is longing for love or going through a heartbreak. It's like feeling down or sorrowful because of love-related experiences. John. Oh, I understand now. So, when someone is lovelorn, it means they are feeling sad or unhappy because of love-related problems, right? English teacher. Exactly, John. You've got it. It's a word we use to describe those feelings. People might feel lovelorn when they have feelings for someone who doesn't feel the same way or when they have lost someone they love. It's a common human experience. John. That makes sense, Ems. Adams. Can you give me an example sentence using the word lovelorn? English teacher. Absolutely, John. Here's an example. After Jane's breakup, she felt lovelorn and spent days listening to sad songs. John. I see. That helps me understand it better. Are there any other words related to lovelorn that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words. One is heartbroken, which means experiencing great sadness or distress due to a loss or disappointment in love. Another one is unrequited, which refers to feelings of love that are not reciprocated or returned by the other person. These words are often used in similar contexts as lovelorn. John. Thank you for explaining those words, Ems. Adams. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using heartbroken? English teacher. Certainly, John. Here's an example. Samantha was heartbroken when her long-term boyfriend broke up with her. John. I understand now. These words help describe different aspects of love-related emotions. Is there any specific context where we often use these words? English teacher. Yes, John. We often see these words in poetry, literature, in songs because love and relationships are common themes. These words help express the deep emotions and experiences associated with love and heartbreak. Additionally, people might use them when talking about their own experiences or when consoling someone who is going through a difficult time. John. That's interesting, Ems. Adams. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, John. Another phrase you might come across is brokenhearted. It's similar to heartbroken and refers to feeling extreme sadness or grief because of a lost love or unfulfilled romantic expectations. It's another way to express the emotional impact of love-related experiences. John. Thank you, Ems. Adams. Brokenhearted sounds familiar too. 
I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words better. English teacher. You're welcome, John. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. John. I will. Ems. Adams. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, John. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. John. You too, Ems. Adams. Goodbye. English teacher. Good morning, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Good morning, Mr. Thompson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, Emma. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? Emma. Yes, Mr. Thompson. I want to know more about by the sea. I often hear people use this phrase, but I'm not sure what it really means. English teacher. That's a great topic, Emma. By the sea refers to being near or beside the sea or ocean. It's a phrase we use to describe a location or a place close to the coast or shoreline. Emma. Oh, I see. So, when someone says by the sea, it means they are talking about a place near the ocean or sea, right? English teacher. Exactly, Emma. You've got it. It's a way to talk about being in a coastal area or close to the beach. People often use this phrase to describe vacations, travel destinations, or simply enjoying the beauty of the sea. Emma. That makes sense, Mr. Thompson. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase by the sea? English teacher. Of course, Emma. Here's an example. We spent a relaxing weekend by the sea, building sandcastles and swimming in the ocean. Emma. I understand now. That example helps me visualize the idea better. Are there any other phrases or expressions related to by the sea that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related expressions, Emma. One is seaside, which is used to describe the area along the sea or ocean, typically with beaches and resorts. Another one is coastal, which means relating to or near the coast. These words and phrases are often used interchangeably with by the sea. Emma. Thank you for explaining those words, Mr. Thompson. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using seaside? English teacher. Certainly, Emma. Here's an example. We booked a charming cottage in a picturesque seaside town for our summer vacation. Emma. I understand now. These words and expressions are all about being close to the sea or ocean. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher. Yes, Emma. These words are commonly used when talking about travel, vacations, or simply describing beautiful coastal locations. People might also use them when sharing their experiences or discussing their favorite seaside destinations. Emma. That's interesting, Mr. Thompson. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, Emma. Another phrase you might come across is by the beach. It's similar to by the sea and refers to being in the vicinity of a beach. It's another way to describe a location near the coast and close to the sandy shores. 
Emma. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. But the beach sounds familiar too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher. You're welcome, Emma. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. Emma. I will, Mr. Thompson. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, Emma. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. Emma. You too, Mr. Thompson. Goodbye. English teacher. Good morning, David. How are you today? David. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, David. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? David. Yes, Ems. Johnson. I want to know more about the beach. I've heard about it, but I'm not sure what exactly it means. English teacher. That's a wonderful topic, David. The beach refers to an area of sandy land along the shore of an ocean, sea, or lake. It's a place where the land meets the water, and people often go there for relaxation, swimming, and enjoying the sun. David. Oh, I see. So, when people talk about the beach, they are talking about a specific area near the water where people go for fun and relaxation, right? English teacher. Exactly, David. You've got it. The beach is a common phrase to refer to that specific area. People love going to the beach to swim, build sand castles, sunbathe, and enjoy various water activities. David. That sounds fun, Ems. Johnson. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase the beach? English teacher. Of course, David. Here's an example. Every summer, my family and I visit the beach to play in the waves and have picnics in the sand. David. I understand now. That example paints a clear picture in my mind. Are there any other words or phrases related to the beach that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words, David. One is shore, which refers to the land along the edge of a body of water. Another one is coast, which means the area of land near the sea or ocean. These words are often used when talking about the beach or coastal areas. David. Thank you for explaining those words, Ems. Johnson. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using shore? English teacher. Certainly, David. Here's an example. We took a long walk along the shore, collecting seashells and enjoying the beautiful view. David. I understand now. These words and phrases help describe different aspects of the beach and coastal areas. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher. Yes, David. These words are commonly used when talking about beach vacations, describing the natural beauty of the coastline, or sharing experiences and memories from time spent at the beach. People might also use them when discussing beach-related activities or planning a trip to the coast. David. That's interesting, Ems. Johnson. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, 
David. Another phrase you might come across is sandy beach. It's a way to specifically describe a beach where the sand is the main feature. It's a phrase often used to emphasize the soft and sandy nature of the beach. David. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. Sandy beach sounds familiar too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher. You're welcome, David. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. David. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, David. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. David. You too, Ems. Johnson. Goodbye. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, Sarah. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? Sarah. Yes, Mr. Davis. I want to know more about tropical islands. I've seen pictures of them, but I'm not sure what exactly they are. English teacher. That's an excellent topic, Sarah. Tropical islands are small land masses surrounded by the warm waters of the tropical regions. These islands are characterized by their lush greenery, beautiful beaches, and unique wildlife. Sarah. Oh, I see. So, when people talk about tropical islands, they are referring to those small pieces of land with warm waters, lots of vegetation, and amazing beaches, right? English teacher. Exactly, Sarah. You've got it. Tropical islands are popular vacation destinations for people who want to enjoy the beauty of nature, relax on the beaches, and experience a different culture. Sarah. That sounds amazing, Mr. Davis. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase tropical islands? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here's an example. During our honeymoon, we decided to visit a few tropical islands in the Caribbean to soak up the sun and swim in the crystal clear waters. Sarah. I'd understand now. That example paints a vivid picture in my mind. Are there any other words or phrases related to tropical islands that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words, Sarah. One is paradise, which is often used to describe these beautiful tropical destinations. Another one is palm trees, which are commonly found on these islands and are known for their tall trunks and large leaves. These words help create a more vivid image of tropical islands. Sarah, thank you for explaining those words, Mr. Davis. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using paradise? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here's an example. The Maldives is known as a paradise on earth with its pristine beaches and crystal clear waters. Sarah, I'd understand now. These words and phrases help describe the beauty and uniqueness of tropical islands. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher. Yes, Sarah. These words are commonly used when talking about vacation destinations, travel brochures, or describing the allure of tropical islands.
People might also use them when sharing their experiences or planning a trip to these exotic locations. Sarah. That's interesting, Mr. Davis. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, Sarah. Another phrase you might come across is island hopping. It refers to the activity of visiting multiple islands in a region, exploring their unique features, and enjoying various activities. It's a popular way to experience the diversity of tropical islands. Sarah. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Island hopping sounds exciting too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. Sarah. I will, Mr. Davis. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. Sarah. You too, Mr. Davis. Goodbye. Teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Miss Johnson. I'm fine, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Today, we're going to talk about deserts. Do you know what a desert is? Sarah. Um, is it like a place with a lot of sand? Teacher. Yes, you're on the right track. A desert is a very dry area of land with little or no rainfall. It can be covered with sand, but not all deserts have sand. Some deserts have rocky or gravelly terrain. Can you think of any famous deserts? Sarah. I think the Sahara Desert is famous. It's in Africa, right? Teacher. Exactly. The Sahara Desert is the largest desert in the world and is located in Africa. Great job. Now, let's learn more about deserts. Deserts can be very hot during the day and very cold at night. They have very little vegetation and wildlife because it's challenging for plants and animals to survive in such a harsh environment. Sarah. So, what kind of plants can grow in a desert? Teacher. That's a great question, Sarah. Some plants that can survive in the desert are cacti, which have thick and waxy stems to store water. They also have spines to reduce water loss and protect themselves from animals. Other desert plants have long roots to reach deep into the ground to find water. Sarah. Oh, I've seen pictures of cacti before. They look so interesting with all their spikes. Teacher. Yes, they are fascinating plants. Now, let's talk about some desert animals. One well-known desert animal is the camel. Camels have adaptations that help them survive in the desert. They can store fat in their humps to use as energy when food and water are scarce. They also have long eyelashes and thick lips to protect themselves from the blowing sand. Sarah. That's amazing. Camels can go for a long time without water, right? Teacher. Yes, you're correct. Camels are known for their ability to survive for a long time without water. They can go several days or even weeks without drinking. Their bodies are built to conserve water and they can also drink a lot of water when it's available to replenish their reserves. Sarah, I never knew that. So, what are some other deserts apart from the Sahara? 
Teacher. There are several other deserts around the world. Some examples include the Gobi Desert in Asia, the Mojave Desert in North America, and the Atacama Desert in South America. Each desert has its own unique characteristics and ecosystems. Sarah. Wow, I didn't realize there were so many deserts. They all sound interesting. Teacher. They certainly are. Deserts may seem challenging to live in, but they also have their own beauty and unique features. Is there anything else you'd like to know about deserts, Sarah? Sarah. Hmm, I think I've learned a lot already. Thank you for teaching me about deserts, Miss Johnson. Teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad you enjoyed the lesson. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, don't hesitate to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Sarah. I will, Miss Johnson. Thank you for being such a helpful teacher. Teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Have a fantastic day. Sarah. You too, Miss Johnson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Sarah. Teacher. Good morning, David. How are you today? David. Good morning, Miss Anderson. I'm okay, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about cities. Do you know what a city is? David. Um, is it like a big town with lots of people? Teacher. Yes, you're absolutely right. A city is a large and populated urban area. It has many buildings, houses, roads, and people living and working together. Can you think of any cities you know? David. I know New York City and London. They are famous cities right? Teacher. Yes, exactly. New York City is in the United States, and London is in England. Both are major cities with bustling streets, tall buildings, and many famous landmarks. Great job. Now, let's learn more about cities. In cities, there are usually many opportunities for jobs, education, entertainment, and cultural activities. David. What kind of jobs can people do in a city? Teacher. People can have different kinds of jobs in a city. Some people work in offices as doctors, teachers, engineers, or bankers. Others may work in restaurants, shops, or factories. Cities have a variety of industries, which means there are many different types of work available. David. That's interesting. What about transportation in a city? Teacher. Transportation is an important aspect of city life. In cities, there are various modes of transportation such as buses, trains, taxis, and sometimes even subways. These help people move around the city quickly and efficiently. Some cities also have bike lanes and sidewalks for people who prefer to walk or cycle. David. I see. So, what are some famous landmarks in cities? Teacher. Cities often have iconic landmarks that represent their identity and history. For example, in Paris. You have the Eiffel Tower, which is a tall and famous iron structure. In Sydney, Australia, the Sydney Opera House is a well-known architectural masterpiece. Landmarks like these attract tourists from all over the world. David. Wow, those landmarks sound amazing. Miss Anderson, can you tell me more about the different parts of a city? Teacher. Of course, David. A city usually has different areas or districts. One common district is the downtown or city center, where you'll find many tall buildings, 
offices, and shops. Then there might be residential areas where people live in houses or apartments. Some cities also have parks, museums, and recreational areas for people to enjoy. David, that's really cool. Miss Anderson, do you have any tips for someone visiting a city for the first time? Teacher, absolutely, David. When visiting a city, it's a good idea to have a map or use a navigation app on your phone to find your way around. It's also important to be aware of your surroundings and follow safety guidelines. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask the locals for help or information. David, thank you, Miss Anderson. I'm learning so much about cities today. Teacher, you're welcome, David. I'm glad you're finding it interesting. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. David, I will, Miss Anderson. Thank you for being such a wonderful teacher. Teacher, it's my pleasure, David. Have a fantastic day. David, you too, Miss Anderson. Goodbye. Teacher, goodbye, David. Teacher, good morning, Maria. How are you today? Maria, good morning, Mr. Thompson. I'm good, thank you. How about you? Teacher, I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about rainforests. Have you heard of rainforests before? Maria, yes, I think rainforests are forests with a lot of rain, right? Teacher, that's correct. Maria, rainforests are dense forests found in tropical regions, where it rains a lot throughout the year. They are home to a wide variety of plants, animals, and insects. Can you name any rainforests you know? Maria, I know the Amazon rainforest in South America. It's the biggest rainforest in the world, right? Teacher, exactly. The Amazon rainforest is indeed the largest rainforest in the world, located in South America. Great job! Now let's learn more about rainforests. Rainforests are known for their incredible biodiversity, which means they have a large number of different species of plants and animals. Maria, wow, that's amazing! What kind of plants can we find in a rainforest? Teacher, rainforests have an abundance of unique plant species. Some examples include tall trees with thick trunks, such as the mighty kapok tree. There are also various types of ferns, orchids, and colorful bromeliads. These plants often have large leaves to catch as much sunlight as possible. Maria, that's interesting. What about animals in the rainforest? Teacher, rainforests are home to many fascinating animals. You can find colorful birds like parrots and toucans flying among the trees. Monkeys swing from branch to branch, and jaguars roam the forest floor. There are also interesting creatures like tree frogs, sloths, and a wide variety of insects. Maria, they all sound so cool. Mister Thompson, what is the weather like in a rainforest? Teacher, in rainforests, it is usually hot and humid. It rains a lot, which is why they are called rainforests. The constant rainfall and warm climate create the perfect conditions for the lush vegetation and diverse wildlife. Maria, I see. Are there any tribes or indigenous people living in rainforests? Teacher, yes, Maria. Rainforests are often inhabited by indigenous tribes who have lived there for generations. 
These tribes have unique cultures and ways of life that are closely connected to the forest. They rely on the resources provided by the rainforest for food, shelter, and medicine. Maria. That's really interesting. Mr. Thompson, are rainforests in danger? Teacher. Yes, unfortunately, rainforests are facing many threats. Deforestation, which means cutting down trees, is a significant issue. Trees are cut down to make space for agriculture, logging, and other human activities. This can harm the delicate balance of the rainforest ecosystem. Maria. That's sad. Is there anything we can do to help protect rainforests? Teacher. Absolutely, Maria. We can all play a part in protecting rainforests. One way is by raising awareness about their importance and the need for conservation. We can also support organizations that work to preserve rainforest habitats and promote sustainable practices. Maria. I'll make sure to do my part. Thank you for teaching me about rainforests, Mr. Thompson. Teacher. You're very welcome, Maria. I'm glad you found it interesting. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Maria. I will, Mr. Thompson. Thank you for being such a great teacher. Teacher. It's my pleasure. Maria. Have a fantastic day. Maria. You too, Mr. Thompson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Maria. Teacher. Good morning, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Good morning, Miss Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing great, thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about the countryside. Have you heard of the countryside before? Emma. Yes, I think the countryside is the opposite of the city, right? It's like open land with farms and nature. Teacher. That's absolutely right, Emma. The countryside refers to rural areas outside of cities and towns. It's characterized by open spaces, farms, fields, and natural landscapes. Can you think of any features or things you might find in the countryside? Emma. Hmm, I think there are farms with animals and crops, green fields, and maybe even rivers or lakes. Teacher. Excellent. You have a good understanding of the countryside. Farms in the countryside are where people cultivate crops like wheat, corn, and vegetables. They also raise animals like cows, sheep, and chickens. The countryside is known for its beautiful landscapes, fresh air, and a quieter pace of life. Emma. That sounds lovely. Miss Davis, what activities can people do in the countryside? Teacher. There are many activities people can enjoy in the countryside. Emma. One popular activity is hiking or walking in nature. You can explore trails, enjoy the fresh air, and admire the beautiful scenery. People also go cycling, have picnics, and even go fishing in rivers or lakes. Emma. Oh, I love the idea of going on a picnic. Miss Davis, what are some benefits of living in the countryside? Teacher. Living in the countryside has several benefits, Emma. One of the main advantages is the peaceful and serene environment. The countryside offers a break from the hustle and bustle of the city. Additionally, the air is usually cleaner and fresher, and there is often more space for outdoor activities. Some people also find that living in the countryside allows them to have a stronger connection with nature. Emma. 
That sounds really nice. Miss Davis, are there any challenges or disadvantages of living in the countryside? Teacher. Living in the countryside does have its challenges, Emma. One potential challenge is that amenities and services like schools, hospitals, and stores may be farther away compared to cities. Additionally, transportation options might be limited, and it can be more difficult to access certain facilities. However, some people enjoy the quieter lifestyle and are willing to accept these challenges. Emma. I understand. Miss Davis, are there any famous countryside destinations or landmarks? Teacher. Yes, Emma. The countryside is home to many famous landmarks and natural attractions. For example, the English countryside is known for its picturesque villages, historic castles, and rolling green hills. Other countries also have their own unique countryside destinations, such as vineyards, national parks, and scenic lakes. Emma. That's fascinating. Miss Davis, what can we do to protect and preserve the countryside? Teacher. It's important to take care of the countryside. Emma, one way we can contribute is by being responsible visitors and not littering or damaging the natural environment. We should also support sustainable agriculture practices and protect wildlife habitats. Additionally, participating in local initiatives and conservation programs can help preserve the beauty and biodiversity of the countryside. Emma, I'll make sure to do my part. Thank you for teaching me about the countryside, Miss Davis. Teacher, you're very welcome. Emma, I'm glad you enjoyed the lesson. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Emma, I will, Miss Davis. Thank you for being such a supportive teacher. Teacher, it's my pleasure, Emma. Have a fantastic day. Exclamation mark. Emma, you too, Miss Davis. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Emma. Teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit sad today. I've been feeling lonely lately. Teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. Loneliness can be difficult. Let's talk about it today. Loneliness is a feeling of being alone or isolated. It's important to remember that many people experience loneliness from time to time. Would you like to share why you're feeling lonely? Sarah, I moved to a new city recently, and I haven't made many friends yet. I miss my old friends and family. Teacher, I understand, Sarah. Moving to a new place can be challenging, but you're not alone in feeling this way. Making new friends takes time, but there are things you can do to alleviate loneliness. Let's explore some strategies together. First, it's helpful to engage in activities that you enjoy. Are there any hobbies or interests you have that could help you meet new people? Sarah, I love playing the guitar and singing. Maybe I can join a local music group or take classes. Teacher, that's a wonderful idea, Sarah. Joining a music group or taking classes will not only allow you to pursue your passion but also provide an opportunity to connect with like-minded people who share your interests. You can build new friendships through your love for music. Sarah, I'll look for music groups in my area. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Teacher, you're welcome, Sarah. Additionally, it can be helpful to reach out to others. Have you tried talking to your neighbors or colleagues? Sarah. Not yet. 
I've been a bit shy about approaching them. Teacher. That's understandable, Sarah. But remember, many people are open to making new friends. Start with small steps, like saying hello or striking up a conversation. You may discover common interests or even make plans to hang out outside of work or your neighborhood. Sarah. I'll try my best to be more outgoing. Thanks for the advice, Mr. Johnson. Teacher. You're doing great, Sarah. Another thing to consider is getting involved in community activities or volunteering. Is there a local charity or organization you're interested in supporting? Sarah. There's a homeless shelter nearby. Maybe I can volunteer there and help others in need. Teacher. That's a fantastic idea, Sarah. Volunteering not only allows you to make a positive impact on others' lives but also provides an opportunity to meet people who share your values and compassion. It's a great way to combat loneliness while giving back to the community. Sarah. I'm excited to get involved and make a difference. Thank you so much, Mr. Johnson. Teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. Remember, building new connections takes time, so be patient with yourself. It's okay to feel lonely at times, but know that there are ways to overcome it. If you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. Sarah. Thank you for being so supportive, Mr. Johnson. I appreciate it. Teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Don't hesitate to ask for help or guidance whenever you need it. You're not alone in this journey. Sarah. I won't forget that. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Teacher, you're welcome, Sarah. Keep your spirits up, and remember, you're capable of making new friends and building a fulfilling social life. Have a wonderful day. Sarah, you too, Mr. Johnson. Goodbye. Teacher, goodbye, Sarah. Take care. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. I'm doing all right, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm doing well, thank you. So, I heard you wanted to talk about a topic today. What is it? Sarah. Yes, Mr. Johnson. I wanted to discuss the concept of secret love. I find it intriguing and would like to learn more about it. English teacher. That's an interesting topic, Sarah. Secret love refers to feelings of affection or attraction that someone has for another person but keeps it hidden or undisclosed. It can happen for various reasons, such as fear of rejection or the circumstances being unfavorable. Sarah. I see. So, is secret love something that occurs frequently? English teacher. Secret love is a common theme in literature, movies, and real-life situations. Many people have experienced it at some point in their lives. It often arises when there are obstacles preventing individuals from expressing their true feelings openly. Sarah. Can you give me an example of secret love from literature or a movie? English teacher. Of course. One famous example is the play Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. The main characters, Romeo and Juliet, fall in love with each other, but due to a long-standing feud between their families, their love must remain hidden. They secretly marry and continue their relationship in secret, leading to tragic consequences. Sarah. Oh, I've heard of Romeo and Juliet before. It's a classic love story. So, secret love can be both exciting and challenging, right? 
English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. The secrecy adds an element of excitement and intensity to the relationship. However, it can also be quite challenging because the individuals involved may experience feelings of longing, frustration, and a constant fear of discovery. Sarah, that sounds difficult. What are some other reasons people might keep their love a secret? English teacher, there can be various reasons. Some common ones include societal or cultural expectations, such as when two people from different social backgrounds are in love but are not allowed to be together. Other times, people may be in committed relationships with someone else and have feelings for someone new, leading to a secret love affair. Sarah, I can imagine how complicated that can become. Are there any potential consequences of secret love? English teacher, yes, Sarah. Keeping love a secret can have emotional consequences. It can lead to feelings of guilt, anxiety, and sadness. Moreover, it can also strain relationships with friends and family if they suspect something is going on but don't know the truth. In extreme cases, it can even result in the breakdown of existing relationships or friendships. Sarah, it seems like secret love can be quite risky and challenging to navigate. Is there ever a situation where secret love turns into something positive? English teacher, it's possible, Sarah. Sometimes, secret love can eventually come to light, leading to a positive outcome. For example, if two individuals are genuinely in love but have been hiding it, once they reveal their feelings, they might find acceptance and support from those around them. However, this outcome is not guaranteed, and it depends on the specific circumstances and people involved. Sarah, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining secret love to me, Mister Johnson. It's a complex topic, but I have a better understanding now. English teacher, you're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to discuss any other topics, feel free to reach out. Learning about different aspects of love and relationships can be fascinating. Sarah, I will definitely keep that in mind, Mister Johnson. Thank you for being such a patient teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next class. English teacher. Good morning, John. How are you today, John? Good morning, Ems. Adams. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you, English teacher? I'm great, John. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about a topic. What would you like to discuss today, John? Yes, Ems, Adams. I want to know about lovelorn. I've heard this word before, but I'm not sure what it means exactly. English teacher, that's a great topic, John. Lovelorn refers to the feeling of being unhappy or sad because of unrequited love or the loss of love. It's often used to describe someone who is longing for love or going through a heartbreak. It's like feeling down or sorrowful because of love-related experiences. John. Oh, I understand now. So, when someone is lovelorn, it means they are feeling sad or unhappy because of love-related problems, right? English teacher, exactly, John. You've got it. It's a word we use to describe those feelings. People might feel lovelorn when they have feelings for someone who doesn't feel the same way, or when they have lost someone they love. It's a common human experience. John, that makes sense. Ems, Adams. 
Can you give me an example sentence using the word lovelorn? English teacher. Absolutely, John. Here's an example. After Jane's breakup, she felt lovelorn and spent days listening to sad songs. John. I see. That helps me understand it better. Are there any other words related to lovelorn that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words. One is heartbroken, which means experiencing great sadness or distress due to a loss or disappointment in love. Another one is unrequited, which refers to feelings of love that are not reciprocated or returned by the other person. These words are often used in similar contexts as lovelorn. John. Thank you for explaining those words, Ms. Adams. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using heartbroken? English teacher. Certainly, John. Here's an example. Samantha was heartbroken when her long-term boyfriend broke up with her. John. I understand now. These words help describe different aspects of love-related emotions. Is there any specific context where we often use these words? English teacher. Yes, John. We often see these words in poetry, literature, and songs because love and relationships are common themes. These words help express the deep emotions and experiences associated with love and heartbreak. Additionally, people might use them when talking about their own experiences or when consoling someone who is going through a difficult time. John. That's interesting, Ms. Adams. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, John. Another phrase you might come across is brokenhearted. It's similar to heartbroken and refers to feeling extreme sadness or grief because of a lost love or unfulfilled romantic expectations. It's another way to express the emotional impact of love-related experiences. John. Thank you, Ms. Adams. Brokenhearted sounds familiar too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words better. English teacher. You're welcome, John. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. John. I will. Ms. Adams. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, John. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. John. You too, Ms. Adams. Goodbye. English teacher. Good morning, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Good morning, Mr. Thompson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, Emma. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? Emma. Yes, Mr. Thompson. I want to know more about by the sea. I often hear people use this phrase, but I'm not sure what it really means. English teacher. That's a great topic, Emma. By the sea refers to being near or beside the sea or ocean. It's a phrase we use to describe a location or a place close to the coast or shoreline. Emma. Oh, I see. So, when someone says by the sea, it means they are talking about a place near the ocean or sea, right? English teacher. 
Exactly, Emma. You've got it. It's a way to talk about being in a coastal area or close to the beach. People often use this phrase to describe vacations, travel destinations, or simply enjoying the beauty of the sea. Emma, that makes sense, Mister Thompson. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase "by the sea"? English teacher, of course, Emma. Here's an example. We spent a relaxing weekend by the sea, building sandcastles and swimming in the ocean. Emma, I understand now. That example helps me visualize the idea better. Are there any other phrases or expressions related to "by the sea" that I should know? English teacher, yes, there are a few related expressions. Emma, one is seaside, which is used to describe the area along the sea or ocean, typically with beaches and resorts. Another one is coastal, which means relating to or near the coast. These words and phrases are often used interchangeably with "by the sea." Emma, thank you for explaining those words, Mister Thompson. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using seaside? English teacher, certainly, Emma. Here's an example. We booked a charming cottage in a picturesque seaside town for our summer vacation. Emma, I understand now. These words and expressions are all about being close to the sea or ocean. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher, yes, Emma. These words are commonly used when talking about travel, vacations, or simply describing beautiful coastal locations. People might also use them when sharing their experiences or discussing their favorite seaside destinations. Emma, that's interesting, Mister Thompson. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher, good question, Emma. Another phrase you might come across is "by the beach." It's similar to "by the sea" and refers to being in the vicinity of a beach. It's another way to describe a location near the coast and close to the sandy shores. Emma, thank you, Mister Thompson. "By the beach" sounds familiar too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher, you're welcome, Emma. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. Emma, I will, Mister Thompson. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher, it's my pleasure, Emma. Keep up the great work and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. Emma, you too, Mister Thompson. Goodbye, English teacher. Good morning, David. How are you today, David? Good morning, Ems Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you, English teacher? I'm great, David. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? David, yes, Ems, Johnson. I want to know more about the beach. I've heard about it, but I'm not sure what exactly it means. English teacher, that's a wonderful topic, David. The beach refers to an area of sandy land along the shore of an ocean, sea, or lake. 
It's a place where the land meets the water, and people often go there for relaxation, swimming, and enjoying the sun. David. Oh, I see. So, when people talk about the beach, they are talking about a specific area near the water where people go for fun and relaxation, right? English teacher. Exactly, David. You've got it. The beach is a common phrase to refer to that specific area. People love going to the beach to swim, build sandcastles, sunbathe, and enjoy various water activities. David. That sounds fun, Ems. Johnson. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase the beach? English teacher. Of course, David. Here's an example. Every summer, my family and I visit the beach to play in the waves and have picnics in the sand. David. I understand now. That example paints a clear picture in my mind. Are there any other words or phrases related to the beach that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words, David. One is shore, which refers to the land along the edge of a body of water. Another one is coast, which means the area of land near the sea or ocean. These words are often used when talking about the beach or coastal areas. David. Thank you for explaining those words, Ems. Johnson. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using shore? English teacher. Certainly, David. Here's an example. We took a long walk along the shore, collecting seashells and enjoying the beautiful view. David. I understand now. These words and phrases help describe different aspects of the beach and coastal areas. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher. Yes, David. These words are commonly used when talking about beach vacations, describing the natural beauty of the coastline, or sharing experiences and memories from time spent at the beach. People might also use them when discussing beach-related activities or planning a trip to the coast. David. That's interesting, Ems. Johnson. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, David. Another phrase you might come across is sandy beach. It's a way to specifically describe a beach where the sand is the main feature. It's a phrase often used to emphasize the soft and sandy nature of the beach. David. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. Sandy beach sounds familiar too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher. You're welcome, David. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. David. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, David. Keep up the great work, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. David. You too, Ems. Johnson. Goodbye. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, Sarah. Thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to learn more about something. What would you like to discuss today? Sarah. Yes, Mr. Davis.
I want to know more about tropical islands. I've seen pictures of them, but I'm not sure what exactly they are. English teacher. That's an excellent topic, Sarah. Tropical islands are small landmasses surrounded by the warm waters of the tropical regions. These islands are characterized by their lush greenery, beautiful beaches, and unique wildlife. Sarah. Oh, I see. So, when people talk about tropical islands, they are referring to those small pieces of land with warm waters, lots of vegetation, and amazing beaches, right? English teacher. Exactly, Sarah. You've got it. Tropical islands are popular vacation destinations for people who want to enjoy the beauty of nature, relax on the beaches, and experience a different culture. Sarah. That sounds amazing, Mr. Davis. Can you give me an example sentence using the phrase tropical islands? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here's an example. During our honeymoon, we decided to visit a few tropical islands in the Caribbean to soak up the sun and swim in the crystal clear waters. Sarah. I understand now. That example paints a vivid picture in my mind. Are there any other words or phrases related to tropical islands that I should know? English teacher. Yes, there are a few related words, Sarah. One is paradise, which is often used to describe these beautiful tropical destinations. Another one is palm trees, which are commonly found on these islands and are known for their tall trunks and large leaves. These words help create a more vivid image of tropical islands. Sarah. Thank you for explaining those words, Mr. Davis. It's helpful to know their meanings too. Can you give me an example sentence using paradise? English teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Here's an example. The Maldives is known as a paradise on earth, with its pristine beaches and crystal clear waters. Sarah. I understand now. These words and phrases help describe the beauty and uniqueness of tropical islands. Is there any specific context where we often use them? English teacher. Yes, Sarah. These words are commonly used when talking about vacation destinations, travel brochures, or describing the allure of tropical islands. People might also use them when sharing their experiences or planning a trip to these exotic locations. Sarah. That's interesting, Mr. Davis. I'll keep that in mind. Are there any other related words or phrases that I should be aware of? English teacher. Good question, Sarah. Another phrase you might come across is island hopping. It refers to the activity of visiting multiple islands in a region, exploring their unique features, and enjoying various activities. It's a popular way to experience the diversity of tropical islands. Sarah. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Island hopping sounds exciting too. I appreciate your explanations and examples. It helps me understand these words and phrases better. English teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Remember, if you ever have more questions or want to explore other topics, feel free to ask. Learning new words and expressions is a great way to improve your English skills. Sarah. I will, Mr. Davis. Thank you for being such a patient and supportive teacher. English teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Keep up the great work, and... Don't hesitate to reach out if you need any assistance. Have a fantastic day. Sarah. You too, Mr. Davis. Goodbye. Teacher. Good morning, Sarah. 
How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Miss Johnson. I'm fine, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Today, we're going to talk about deserts. Do you know what a desert is? Sarah. Um, is it like a place with a lot of sand? Teacher. Yes, you're on the right track. A desert is a very dry area of land with little or no rainfall. It can be covered with sand, but not all deserts have sand. Some deserts have rocky or gravelly terrain. Can you think of any famous deserts? Sarah. I think the Sahara Desert is famous. It's in Africa, right? Teacher. Exactly. The Sahara Desert is the largest desert in the world and is located in Africa. Great job. Now, let's learn more about deserts. Deserts can be very hot during the day and very cold at night. They have very little vegetation and wildlife because it's challenging for plants and animals to survive in such a harsh environment. Sarah. So, what kind of plants can grow in a desert? Teacher. That's a great question, Sarah. Some plants that can survive in the desert are cacti, which have thick and waxy stems to store water. They also have spines to reduce water loss and protect themselves from animals. Other desert plants have long roots to reach deep into the ground to find water. Sarah. Oh, I've seen pictures of cacti before. They look so interesting with all their spikes. Teacher. Yes, they are fascinating plants. Now, let's talk about some desert animals. One well-known desert animal is the camel. Camels have adaptations that help them survive in the desert. They can store fat in their humps to use as energy when food and water are scarce. They also have long eyelashes and thick lips to protect themselves from the blowing sand. Sarah. That's amazing. Camels can go for a long time without water, right? Teacher. Yes, you're correct. Camels are known for their ability to survive for a long time without water. They can go several days or even weeks without drinking. Their bodies are built to conserve water, and they can also drink a lot of water when it's available to replenish their reserves. Sarah. I never knew that. So, what are some other deserts apart from the Sahara? Teacher. There are several other deserts around the world. Some examples include the Gobi Desert in Asia, the Mojave Desert in North America, and the Atacama Desert in South America. Each desert has its own unique characteristics and ecosystems. Sarah. Wow, I didn't realize there were so many deserts. They all sound interesting. Teacher. They certainly are. Deserts may seem challenging to live in, but they also have their own beauty and unique features. Is there anything else you'd like to know about deserts, Sarah? Sarah. Hmm, I think I've learned a lot already. Thank you for teaching me about deserts, Miss Johnson. Teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad you enjoyed the lesson. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, don't hesitate to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Sarah. I will, Miss Johnson. Thank you for being such a helpful teacher. Teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Have a fantastic day. Sarah. You too, Miss Johnson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Sarah. Teacher. Good morning, David. How are you today? David. Good morning, Miss Anderson. I'm okay, thank you. How about you?
Teacher. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about cities. Do you know what a city is? David. Um, is it like a big town with lots of people? Teacher. Yes, you're absolutely right. A city is a large and populated urban area. It has many buildings, houses, roads, and people living and working together. Can you think of any cities you know? David. I know New York City and London. They are famous cities, right? Teacher. Yes, exactly. New York City is in the United States, and London is in England. Both are major cities with bustling streets, tall buildings, and many famous landmarks. Great job. Now, let's learn more about cities. In cities, there are usually many opportunities for jobs, education, entertainment, and cultural activities. David. What kind of jobs can people do in a city? Teacher. People can have different kinds of jobs in a city. Some people work in offices as doctors, teachers, engineers, or bankers. Others may work in restaurants, shops, or factories. Cities have a variety of industries, which means there are many different types of work available. David. That's interesting. What about transportation in a city? Teacher. Transportation is an important aspect of city life. In cities, there are various modes of transportation such as buses, trains, taxis, and sometimes even subways. These help people move around the city quickly and efficiently. Some cities also have bike lanes and sidewalks for people who prefer to walk or cycle. David. I see. So, what are some famous landmarks in cities? Teacher. Cities often have iconic landmarks that represent their identity and history. For example, in Paris, you have the Eiffel Tower, which is a tall and famous iron structure. In Sydney, Australia, the Sydney Opera House is a well-known architectural masterpiece. Landmarks like these attract tourists from all over the world. David. Wow, those landmarks sound amazing. Miss Anderson, can you tell me more about the different parts of a city? Teacher. Of course, David. A city usually has different areas or districts. One common district is the downtown or city center, where you'll find many tall buildings, offices, and shops. Then there might be residential areas where people live in houses or apartments. Some cities also have parks, museums, and recreational areas for people to enjoy. David. That's really cool. Miss Anderson, do you have any tips for someone visiting a city for the first time? Teacher. Absolutely, David. When visiting a city, it's a good idea to have a map or use a navigation app on your phone to find your way around. It's also important to be aware of your surroundings and follow safety guidelines. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask the locals for help or information. David. Thank you, Miss Anderson. I'm learning so much about cities today. Teacher. You're welcome, David. I'm glad you're finding it interesting. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. David. I will, Miss Anderson. Thank you for being such a wonderful teacher. Teacher. It's my pleasure, David. Have a fantastic day. David. You too, Miss Anderson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, David. Teacher. Good morning, Maria. How are you today? Maria. 
Good morning, Mr. Thompson. I'm good, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about rainforests. Have you heard of rainforests before? Maria. Yes, I think rainforests are forests with a lot of rain, right? Teacher. That's correct, Maria. Rainforests are dense forests found in tropical regions where it rains a lot throughout the year. They are home to a wide variety of plants, animals, and insects. Can you name any rainforests you know? Maria. I know the Amazon rainforest in South America. It's the biggest rainforest in the world, right? Teacher. Exactly. The Amazon rainforest is indeed the largest rainforest in the world, located in South America. Great job. Now, let's learn more about rainforests. Rainforests are known for their incredible biodiversity, which means they have a large number of different species of plants and animals. Maria. Wow, that's amazing. What kind of plants can we find in a rainforest? Teacher. Rainforests have an abundance of unique plant species. Some examples include tall trees with thick trunks, such as the mighty kapok tree. There are also various types of ferns, orchids, and colorful bromeliads. These plants often have large leaves to catch as much sunlight as possible. Maria. That's interesting. What about animals in the rainforest? Teacher. Rainforests are home to many fascinating animals. You can find colorful birds like parrots and toucans flying among the trees. Monkeys swing from branch to branch, and jaguars roam the forest floor. There are also interesting creatures like tree frogs, sloths, and a wide variety of insects. Maria. They all sound so cool. Mr. Thompson, what is the weather like in a rainforest? Teacher. In rainforests, it is usually hot and humid. It rains a lot, which is why they are called rainforests. The constant rainfall and warm climate create the perfect conditions for the lush vegetation and diverse wildlife. Maria. I see. Are there any tribes or indigenous people living in rainforests? Teacher. Yes, Maria. Rainforests are often inhabited by indigenous tribes who have lived there for generations. These tribes have unique cultures and ways of life that are closely connected to the forest. They rely on the resources provided by the rainforest for food, shelter, and medicine. Maria. That's really interesting. Mr. Thompson, are rainforests in danger? Teacher. Yes, unfortunately, rainforests are facing many threats. Deforestation, which means cutting down trees, is a significant issue. Trees are cut down to make space for agriculture, logging, and other human activities. This can harm the delicate balance of the rainforest ecosystem. Maria. That's sad. Is there anything we can do to help protect rainforests? Teacher. Absolutely, Maria. We can all play a part in protecting rainforests. One way is by raising awareness about their importance and the need for conservation. We can also support organizations that work to preserve rainforest habitats and promote sustainable practices. Maria. I'll make sure to do my part. Thank you for teaching me about rainforests, Mr. Thompson. Teacher. You're very welcome, Maria. I'm glad you found it interesting. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Maria. 
I will, Mr. Thompson. Thank you for being such a great teacher. Teacher. It's my pleasure. Maria. Have a fantastic day. Maria. You too, Mr. Thompson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Maria. Teacher. Good morning, Emma. How are you today? Emma. Good morning, Miss Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm doing great, thank you for asking. Today, let's talk about the countryside. Have you heard of the countryside before? Emma. Yes, I think the countryside is the opposite of the city, right? It's like open land with farms and nature. Teacher. That's absolutely right, Emma. The countryside refers to rural areas outside of cities and towns. It's characterized by open spaces, farms, fields, and natural landscapes. Can you think of any features or things you might find in the countryside? Emma. Hmm, I think there are farms with animals and crops, green fields, and maybe even rivers or lakes. Teacher. Excellent. You have a good understanding of the countryside. Farms in the countryside are where people cultivate crops like wheat, corn, and vegetables. They also raise animals like cows, sheep, and chickens. The countryside is known for its beautiful landscapes, fresh air, and a quieter pace of life. Emma. That sounds lovely. Miss Davis, what activities can people do in the countryside? Teacher. There are many activities people can enjoy in the countryside, Emma. One popular activity is hiking or walking in nature. You can explore trails, enjoy the fresh air, and admire the beautiful scenery. People also go cycling, have picnics, and even go fishing in rivers or lakes. Emma. Oh, I love the idea of going on a picnic. Miss Davis, what are some benefits of living in the countryside? Teacher. Living in the countryside has several benefits, Emma. One of the main advantages is the peaceful and serene environment. The countryside offers a break from the hustle and bustle of the city. Additionally, the air is usually cleaner and fresher, and there is often more space for outdoor activities. Some people also find that living in the countryside allows them to have a stronger connection with nature. Emma. That sounds really nice. Miss Davis, are there any challenges or disadvantages of living in the countryside? Teacher. Living in the countryside does have its challenges, Emma. One potential challenge is that amenities and services like schools, hospitals, and stores may be farther away compared to cities. Additionally, transportation options might be limited, and it can be more difficult to access certain facilities. However, some people enjoy the quieter lifestyle and are willing to accept these challenges. Emma. I understand. Miss Davis, are there any famous countryside destinations or landmarks? Teacher. Yes, Emma. The countryside is home to many famous landmarks and natural attractions. For example, the English countryside is known for its picturesque villages, historic castles, and rolling green hills. Other countries also have their own unique countryside destinations, such as vineyards, national parks, and scenic lakes. Emma. That's fascinating. Miss Davis, what can we do to protect and preserve the countryside? Teacher. It's important to take care of the countryside, Emma. One way we can contribute is by being responsible visitors and not littering or damaging the natural environment. 
We should also support sustainable agriculture practices and protect wildlife habitats. Additionally, participating in local initiatives and conservation programs can help preserve the beauty and biodiversity of the countryside. Emma, I'll make sure to do my part. Thank you for teaching me about the countryside, Miss Davis. Teacher, you're very welcome, Emma. I'm glad you enjoyed the lesson. Remember, if you have any more questions or want to learn about other topics, feel free to ask. Keep up the great work with your English learning. Emma, I will, Miss Davis. Thank you for being such a supportive teacher. Teacher, it's my pleasure, Emma. Have a fantastic day! Exclamation mark. Emma, you too, Miss Davis. Goodbye. Teacher, goodbye, Emma. Teacher, good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah, good morning, Mister. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit sad today. I've been feeling lonely lately. Teacher, I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. Loneliness can be difficult. Let's talk about it today. Loneliness is a feeling of being alone or isolated. It's important to remember that many people experience loneliness from time to time. Would you like to share why you're feeling lonely, Sarah? I moved to a new city recently, and I haven't made many friends yet. I miss my old friends and family. Teacher, I understand, Sarah. Moving to a new place can be challenging, but you're not alone in feeling this way. Making new friends takes time, but there are things you can do to alleviate loneliness. Let's explore some strategies together. First, it's helpful to engage in activities that you enjoy. Are there any hobbies or interests you have that could help you meet new people? Sarah, I love playing the guitar and singing. Maybe I can join a local music group or take classes. Teacher, that's a wonderful idea, Sarah. Joining a music group or taking classes will not only allow you to pursue your passion but also provide an opportunity to connect with like-minded people who share your interests. You can build new friendships through your love for music, Sarah. I'll look for music groups in my area. Thank you, Mister Johnson. Teacher, you're welcome, Sarah. Additionally, it can be helpful to reach out to others. Have you tried talking to your neighbors or colleagues, Sarah? Not yet. I've been a bit shy about approaching them. Teacher, that's understandable, Sarah. But remember, many people are open to making new friends. Start with small steps, like saying hello or striking up a conversation. You may discover common interests or even make plans to hang out outside of work or your neighborhood. Sarah, I'll try my best to be more outgoing. Thanks for the advice, Mister Johnson. Teacher, you're doing great, Sarah. Another thing to consider is getting involved in community activities or volunteering. Is there a local charity or organization you're interested in supporting, Sarah? There is a homeless shelter nearby. Maybe I can volunteer there and help others in need. Teacher, that's a fantastic idea, Sarah. Volunteering not only allows you to make a positive impact on others' lives but also provides an opportunity to meet people who share your values and compassion. It's a great way to combat loneliness while giving back to the community, Sarah. I'm excited to get involved and make a difference. Thank you so much, Mister Johnson. Teacher, you're welcome, Sarah. 
Remember, building new connections takes time, so be patient with yourself. It's okay to feel lonely at times, but know that there are ways to overcome it. If you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. Sarah. Thank you for being so supportive, Mr. Johnson. I appreciate it. Teacher. It's my pleasure, Sarah. Don't hesitate to ask for help or guidance whenever you need it. You're not alone in this journey. Sarah. I won't forget that. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. Keep your spirits up, and remember, you're capable of making new friends and building a fulfilling social life. Have a wonderful day. Sarah. You too, Mr. Johnson. Goodbye. Teacher. Goodbye, Sarah. Take care.